Well, hello and welcome to another Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. And today's topic, which you're probably aware if you're watching this live, uh, very timely. In fact, I was just thinking about the fact that for many of us in, in the U.S. especially, it was around this time, just before March, we're seeing stuff happening much more publicly with regards to what we didn't know was going to be happening soon, but a pandemic that would mean shutdowns would be dramatic changes in how we work and what we're doing. And everybody has been suddenly thrust into doing things differently. And so here we are a year later, but back at this point, even a month later from the point originally started, we thought we were just going to be short periods of time. We'd come out of that. We'd get back to normal. Now we understand we've got new stuff in front of us, but we've learned a lot in the process. There's a lot of information to share and talking about how cloud works in these pandemic times based on real world customer interactions and ways in which worldwide technology is helping people. We've got two fantastic experts with us today. And so I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Let's get to it right now. It's time for Tech 37. Let's meet the experts. Well, hello, experts. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Doing good, Rob. Good. How are you, sir? Excellent. You're so serious there, MJ. Michael, I like MJ. That sounds more, um, more like the basketball player. I like that. Um, you said I could do either one, right? It wouldn't bother you too much. Yeah, but, like uh, I said, I've been called a lot worse than either one of those two things. So. Right, we'll stay away from those things. Yeah, absolutely. And Darren, good to have you back. And um, so here's the thing. We've got the setup. Obviously, you guys are cloud experts. Well, actually, you know what? Let's start with this. Let's start with introductions. Tell me what you guys do. I'll start with you, Michael. Um, what are you involved in? And then we'll we'll set that back up again. Sure. So um, my title technically is Director of uh, Cloud Strategy and Business Development. I joined Worldwide about two and a half years ago to help them build out their cloud practice and and kind of dive deeper as we, we saw organizations figuring out how cloud fit into their overall portfolio. Um, you know, prior to that, last 15 years of my career have been pretty much focused in the technology space uh, with about the last 10 of that being specifically looking at cloud transformation. Interesting. I, it, it definitely feels like the place to be right now. And so uh, that'll be good to get your expertise and experience here on this one. And Darren, what is it you're doing for worldwide technology? Yeah, Rob. So I'm a technical solution architect on our multi-cloud practice. And really what I do is uh, meet with our customers, um, try to understand what their drivers are to embrace cloud technology and help them uh, stitch together appropriate approaches to that in, in cloud architecture. Well, obviously, the reason we're together today is to talk about this cloud effect in terms of how cloud has either, and let's just leave it open for the moment, but what's the value of cloud in terms of these these pandemic times that we've been through? And we've all been through it. We all, everyone has their own unique story. But what's odd is the entire world has somewhat of the same uh, set of con unexpected conditions to be dealing with. And as I was kind of poking around here, and this this quote made me think, oh, this is this is exactly why we need to be talking about this. But looking at research that was recently done, and it was this projection that 80% of enterprises are uh, putting mechanisms in place to a cloud, uh, moving to a cloud-centric infrastructure, and they're doing this at a pace that is twice as fast as it was pre-pandemic. And so it feels like what the studies are saying, and it feels like from personal experience as well, curious if you guys agree, uh, that cloud has become somewhat of a, and, I'm, and cloud obviously a big term, we'll break that down a little bit further, but has been somewhat of a place of refuge for people looking for answers in how they do things differently. But with that in mind, um, I'll start back with Michael again and just get us started. Michael, I'm curious about um, 
who you've been working with and who the practice has been focused on. I know that uh, you, you have a big team and so you're probably spread across quite a few people, but what's been the experience in terms of um, uh, clouds being a key to success or not? Uh, and what part did it play in terms of the last 12 months? Yeah, Rob, I, thanks. I think that um, certainly cloud is a very broad term, right? Uh, and, and what we find with organizations is everybody is at a varying level of how they've adopted cloud, where they're at from a, a maturity standpoint. Um, you know, cloud really unlocks a lot of options more than anything. Uh, and so then how you really inspect your business uh, and, and take some of those drivers to weigh which technology decisions or which options you're choosing, uh, I think becomes a big part of it, right? And we spend a lot of time with organizations helping them understand, you know, how they do that. Um, I think to your point around the, the current state of things in, in this pandemic, um, whether an organization was down the cloud path somewhat or just getting started, nobody really had planned for this specifically. So I do think that that drove a lot of people to kind of react to the most immediate need. Uh, but now we're seeing them kind of come back around and and be a little bit more introspective around how do I take advantage of some of the things that I did to respond a year ago at this time to make them a more permanent part of my business. Yeah, that's a good point. Darren, have you sensed a change in your customer base in terms of, of how do people how were people responding at one point in time when we first were making these big changes and kind of reacting to versus how they might be doing it now? Is is everyone still in a react reactionary mode or have you seen maybe people pull out and get a little bit more um, forward thinking? No, it's a good, a good question. And, and I think Michael kind of touched on, um, I think in general, we're seeing customers be a lot more intentional uh, in terms of the architectures that they're putting in place across multiple cloud environments. Um, I think they're also looking for uh, continuity across potential on-premise uh, data center environments, as well as multiple public cloud providers. And so I think they're, they're kind of going back and, and again, just being a little bit more intentional uh, figuring out, you know, how, how do I get that commonality across multiple platforms while also taking advantage of uh, specific services that are offered by independent cloud providers? Um, and then obviously, there, there's certainly a double down on uh, security and just overall governance. And I would even say, uh, you know, visibility into the cloud uh, environments. Well, what would you guys say, and, and maybe this is a good time to get into some of the uh, what we call case studies or some examples of, of, of things you guys have been through, but uh, have there been some specific things we could call out as learning from this experience to where there's been some learning that's been applied or maybe actually reflects stuff we need to continue to do going forward? Any thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah, I, mean, I think so, Rob. Yeah, I think, um, you know, specifically one customer that we're working with, uh, a big pharma customer, um, they're really going back and looking at how they take the investments that they made. Again, it's more of a reactionary, how do I enable uh, folks remotely given the current situation? And then how do I dovetail that back into existing investments and other parts of my business as we're getting back to whatever this new normal is, right? Because it can't be this partition separate thing that was a just in case. It's how do I take advantage of that? How do I blend it and make it a, a permanent part of my strategy to enable my business, right? So we're very much looking at how some of those um, investments in cloud that occurred in the last 12 months really fit into the broader portfolio, both operationally, technology, um, organizationally. Well, it feels like cloud is, I mean, I've, in, in my experience, it's held up as being, here's, here's something that's also designed differently. It's not just simply the same data center in someone else's facility. It's, it's in, in almost every situation, it's a, it's a different way of, of consuming resources. And, and, and when we talk about, um, 
you know, uh, the, the business is, what is the right way to say this? The way in which we were kind of forced to, to our nimbleness was tested. That's the way I wanted to put it. it this notion of how nimble can you be? And I feel like cloud has been held up, obviously, as being something that the, one of the draws to it is that it, it helps you become more nimble and respond in a more uh, effective manner, be that physically or cost or as a factor of cost or something like that. But Darren, do you agree with, with Michael in terms of what you've seen on the ground and, and any examples that you would highlight about kind of what are the learnings being taken forward here? Yeah, I think uh, I, I do agree with Michael. And, and I would say that, um, and, and we're kind of uh, touching on it a little bit here, but cloud is really an operating model. And, and I think initially at the start of the pandemic, you know, we saw um, maybe a little bit of a legacy mindset carried over in, in and applied into cloud-like environments. And so now that you know, everybody's kind of been given a little bit of breathing room, right? They're, we're going back and helping customers revisit these things and figure out how do, how do I uh, maybe transition my operating model to take the most uh, effective advantage of, of, a, of a cloud infrastructure, cloud estate. Yeah. Well, it, but it, do you agree that it, even pre-pandemic, we would have always said, at least among the IT folks that we tend to correspond with, that um, it's important for every organization to be thinking about um, how can they respond to business disruption? How can they be uh, nimble? And different customers, obviously, depending on their maturity, their industry, whatever it may be, would have different responses to that. But now all of a sudden, we're thrown into an event that, um, and I hate well, I don't hate to do it. I, I think it's an interesting thing to consider, but it, I, we've heard this used in many different contexts, but this notion of what we are dealing with is a, um, a failure to imagine, is that a failure of the imagination in terms of what we may not have planned for this specific scenario because it is so inconceivable. And I don't know if you went through the same mental process I did about a year ago. It was for me, it was when the NBA shut down. It was during, during a game and it was like, Oh, this is real. Because I was kind of feeling like something was going to be happening on at least a spotty city by city basis or something more so. But when I saw it taken to that level, knowing what costs were involved with that, and I'm sure there was other better examples prior to that, it's just the one that sticks out for me. That's where that we had that the imagination shifted, the paradigm shifted, and everybody had to think differently um, about how they were going forward. But now it feels like it's accelerated. I feel like there's less excuse going forward for not being able to respond. Um, in the same way that I've seen schools call snow day real quickly. Now, all of a sudden over here, I'm in Texas. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but you know, it's, it's like, we're quicker to say you can work from home. It feels like it's forced, uh, some changes in our operating models that I'm sure we saw a lot of perfecting to do, but many people are finding it easier to do something that they probably wouldn't even have conceived or wanting to achieve prior. Um, would you agree with that? It's a long, I went a long way to try and explain that, but I think it makes sense. Well, I, I do agree with that, Rob. I, I think um, so. You you used a, an interesting term earlier, nimbleness, right, or being nimble. And you know, right. in the technology industry, we, we want to talk about agility a lot, right? So I think I think that that was one of the drivers for cloud, even before the current situation and what we're dealing with was was how do I unlock that agility? And then to, to Darren's point, it, it's a it's a multifaceted strategy to do that, right? Some of it's an operating model. So I think what we've learned and, and what we talk to customers a lot about when it comes to cloud is you have to break out of some of those traditional technology silos because those really become an inhibitor. Uh, they almost the antithesis of agility and creativity, right? Because if you're so dependent to go back to these certain teams or certain centers of excellence to get anything done, then you can only move as fast as they'll respond. Whereas when you reorganize or kind of rethink your business to build what we term solution teams, but these kind of cross-functional perspectives that can kind of run what you build, 
Now you can literally go as fast as you're willing to sustain or, or, or whatever appetite you have. And, and that also um, blends into, I think, some of the financial perspective. So, you know, in, in a traditional world with a lot of uh, infrastructure in a data center, there's, there's certain lead, line, lead times to that that are restrictive. And you have, you know, CapEx investments that you age out over a series of years. So you're now trying to predict your business in three to five year cycles. And when something comes up unexpected, um, you don't have the ability to adjust. So that really strains creativity, right? And, and really that's what you can do from a budget perspective. Whereas as you start looking at things from more of the OPEX model, um, and now I can try something, I can, you know, to use a, an overuse term, I can fail fast, uh, adjust, and then go at it a different way without having a, a huge impact in my business. So it becomes financial models, it becomes access to resources, it certainly becomes organizational structures that come together to kind of really unlock creativity, innovation, drive agility, you know, whichever buzzwords you want to want to pick at there. But. Well, and can you go, either one of you, go a, a little bit deeper when you talk about needing, you know, being aware of the silos. I feel like that's one of the takeaways that we'll come out with here, which is understanding what silos you have in place that could be holding you back from achieving what, you know, what we're recommending everyone should be moving towards, if not already. Hopefully that's already recognized. But what examples would you cite? Are there some silos you know, could you be specific about in a um, of something I, you know we'd recognize is is it organizations? Is it the is it different among organizations? How traditional are these type of silos? I don't know. Can you put names to them? Yeah, I'll maybe uh, take a pass at that. Um, so I, I think we've seen that um, for a lot of the customers that we work with, they have very established teams that are responsible for. Uh, provisioning and management of infrastructure that potentially runs on-premise. And that initial step into cloud-like environments for these customers oftentimes involve standing up net new teams that um, kind of grew up in that cloud-first space, right? And so now I think, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these organizations that we work with are, are thinking about how do I put these two teams together a little bit better? Right, so that I don't have a cloud team and a, an on-premise data center team. How do I get the best of all of that talent? Uh, certainly, historical context within the organization, um, and, and put those two teams together to to help you know drive faster within these environments. Is that new in the pandemic? In the sense that, because you you mentioned there's a maturity uh, with on-prem resources and capabilities, and there's a maturity. It sounds like you're saying in some situations also in the cloud. So in the same organization. They've got two siloed levels of maturity, but yet it's the pandemic that's causing them to say these need to be working better together for us to be nimble, uh, is Michael saying? I don't know that I would say that it's a direct result of the of the pandemic per se, but I do think that the pandemic has certainly accelerated the adoption of, of cloud technology just in general. And I think that that estate is getting to a point where many organizations kind of realize the, the problem, right? Um, in, in that I, I, I have this single team that's that's managing this cloud environment. I have you know traditional teams that are managing my on-premise environment. And now the cloud is usage has grown within our customers to a point where it makes sense uh, to formalize an, uh, a team that's really responsible for both. Do you yeah, agree with think, Oh, good. Yeah. I'll, I'll there's a point, just to kind of to put an exclamation point on that. I think specific to what we've been dealing with the last year, people had to react. So they had a way of doing business that they traditionally had done. And they quickly had to recreate that in a different model that was in a work from home, right? When I couldn't get people to where my applications, where my order of operations were, those type of things. So by nature, the quickest way to react was to create duplicity. 
how do I recreate exactly what I'm doing today just with these other tools? I, I think now that we're beyond it a little bit, right? I, I hope we can say we're beyond it a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, or we realize it's a more of a longer term and there is some opportunity there to not just do it the way I was doing it, but maybe do it better, right? Yeah. Or take advantage of what I'm doing now in this new environment with the investments I still have and some of those capital investments I talked about that exist. So how do I maximize my productivity and my value out of all of the things that I have at my disposal, which is all those options we talked about. Are you guys seeing a budget increase at all in this time towards IT for this? Because I've seen some evidence in what I've read with that. And, I've, and I'm always reminded of the phrase, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, I think it's been used in many different things over time. But this feels like one of those things where it's like, well, IT has been proven to be extremely valuable in this situation, and it is, and it's basically responsible for determining who are the winners, who are the losers, uh, to a certain extent in terms of being able to be nimble. Uh, but are you seeing IT budgets expand at all in this time period with a recognition towards we need to firm certain things up? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think retail has been an interesting uh, industry to look at during the pandemic, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And and obviously they had to respond uh, very quickly to a situation that nobody would have would have foreseen. And I think what we've seen is that this has been a good example of how technology can really enable the business. We've seen retailers that had previously committed to building out their digital experience and how they're connecting with customers in, in a digital manner. We've seen them accelerate, thrive uh, almost in some cases uh, during the pandemic where those that were uh, potentially not at that same point from a maturity perspective have, have had to play a little bit of catch up. And so I think, you know, again, I think really what it's done is it's underscored the value that IT can bring back to the business. I'm going to make a statement at a high level and have you guys go a little bit deeper. Sorry, Michael, but feel free to redirect with however you, what I go with here. But the, um, I feel like when, if I were to look at what is cloud good for, and I feel like a lot of what I see is we, we, the first thing people will probably ask is relocating applications or serving up applications, providing services. But I also feel like there's a growth and an importance in cloud as an enterprise management model or as a, as a way in which you're running things differently no matter where they're located. If they're in that cloud, another cloud, or on-prem, and that those kind of controls begin making more sense. And the reason why I ask this, and I'm curious to get more specific only if you agree, but, but is a notion of just understanding if I as a customer am saying, well, these are the few things I'm doing in cloud now, and this is kind of where our strategy's been, or maybe I'm not doing it at all. But what kind of things are you, do, do you see certain things that you say, customers, you, you guys really need to be looking at doing a certain set of things first because they just make too much sense to do in this fashion versus maybe how it was done before. Yeah, Rob, I, so I, I think this actually goes along the lines with the, the budget question that you asked previously. Okay. I think um, where I see the value in cloud really for organizations and certainly fit for purpose and where you can run workloads more efficiently, more cost effectively, that's a consideration point. But it's really the catalyst for that transformation and, and inspecting your business and about how you can do things differently. I think that's what it's driven, right? Um, and so that leads into some of those cross-functional teams that we talked about and, and starting to get teams that can really innovate together and try things collectively, um, which then impacts budgets. So to your question about the, the IT budget, I think organizations are investing more in technology, but I think the categories from a budgeting perspective are changing, right? It's not that IT is the sole domain for anything technology and all the, the technology related money goes into a bucket for IT, it's going into the business. And there's now yeah. technology perspectives and aspects that live within each one of the business units. So that's a great point. I think yeah. change agent, and, and I think there's more money spent, 
but it's distributed differently. And, and I think it allows you to going down that solution team uh, mentality that I talked about, you can start to drive some budget control down to, to lower levels of the organization, give them some freedom to go do some things, try some things, own some more of the perspective than, than maybe in those, those traditional models that took a, a, a huge capital campaign, like I mentioned, where it's tens of millions of dollars that you're budgeting for and looking at your business in, in five-year cycles. Now I can spin something up, try it out. If it doesn't work, I can spin it down. And there isn't a huge impact to the organization. So I think that's a lot of the shift we're seeing is, is budget ownership and how that money's allocated from a technology perspective. Does this change what the type of people that uh, organizations are looking to hire in terms of when I think of IT skills, and this is something that comes up a lot on Tech 37 and such, but either as the individual who's saying, what skills do I need to have in my bag to be valuable for where the economy, where everything's going? And then also companies who are saying, um, do I need people with certain cloud-specific skills, uh, an understanding of how to interact with APIs, an understanding of, of, of how to work in a more um, uh, uh, you know, developer-oriented environment as we break these silos? Um, I'm just curious, Darren, do you, do you see shifts in terms of how people are hiring and, and does that reflect an importance on where things are going to go forward when we try to put our finger on the pulse of forecasting here? Yeah. It, what I see a lot of, uh, organizations we work with, uh, from a cloud skills perspective, typically that's going to be a couple of different roles. Um, I think there, it, it oftentimes makes a lot more sense to have more of a development focused role. Uh, and it also makes a lot of sense to have more of a, an infrastructure or a platform focused role. Um, I think the, you know, the, the developer focused role, you know, certainly needs to have uh, some visibility into multiple different cloud provider programs, understanding of services that are available to them and how to integrate those services together. From a platform perspective, I think that's the same, right? Having, having skills at an infrastructure level, um, certainly being able to communicate with development teams, because ultimately I think these platform teams are really in the business of enabling developers, um, but also being able to bridge the gap between uh, some of the newer cloud-like environments that our customers are deploying and maybe some of the uh, traditional data center environments that they have on-prem. I think, you know, if you're able to come to the table and, and bring skills, uh, you know, from, a, from an on-premise perspective as well as a public cloud perspective, I think you're going to be well-served. Yeah, that's what it's starting to feel like to me as well, because I, in, in a little bit more of the research and some angles I do want to ask you guys about, and thanks for, for being the experts today, but this notion of, um, do you feel like customers have accumulated technical debt uh, during this time period that they're going to be paying off for the next few years? Um, and how does that change their response? Because I feel like budgets may get thrown at certain things. The decisions need to be pragmatic, ideally, as Michael acknowledged, because this makes complete sense. At first, it was just about replicate, stay alive. And in fact, oh, I wrote down a quote because you told me, Darren, I'm pointing at as if you can tell who I'm pointing at. Um, I love this thing that you said earlier, Darren, when we were talking, you said customers have moved from how do I do this to how best do I do this? And and, and that just struck me because it's like I'm a fan of simple things because that seems to be elude me quite often. Um, but this notion of technical debt in our, our, our are, is there a hole that people need to realize that they might be digging themselves into now probably that they need to get out of faster? I don't know if that's as much of a question or as much of a statement, but if you guys have any color on that. I, I think from a technical architecture perspective, there's an appropriate way to deploy solutions in, in a cloud-like environment. And, and I think that those design principles have been relatively codified uh, for, for a while now. Um, I, I think that 
what we're helping a lot of organizations uncover, and, and so I wouldn't necessarily say that this is technical debt, but okay. you know, I think as, as organizations continue to mature, continue to maintain on-premise data center environments, multiple public cloud providers, I, you know, I, again, I think they're looking for a, a little bit of, of, of advice, a little bit of guidance around, you know, hey, I, I have this enterprise uh, application monitoring system running on-premise today. Uh, does it make sense for me to apply that in a public cloud environment? Do I want to look at d different providers, more cloud native tools? And so th there's a lot of, again, intentional kind of inspection on how best to enable something, regardless of the location that it, that it lives, right? We're going to get into more of this at the end. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. The technical debt perspective, right? I think like anything else in life, there's trade-offs, right? So I do think there is technical debt that gets acquired. I think because of consumption-based models, it's probably not as restrictive or the long-term impacts are lessened because I can get out of some of it. But there, there is a trade-off with that, right? And so the access to um, options and, again, some of the budgeting being distributed, like we talked about, we see duplicity in environments all the time. People end up spinning up multiple tools that can solve the same issue. So you do end up collecting significant technical debt from that perspective and just tool sprawl um, because everything is so readily available and there are so many options. So, it, again, it's really a, a give and take there around some of the advantages from consumption, but also some of the potential disadvantages. Well, I like what you brought up there because you're, you're if I understood correctly, you're also you're calling out also that a lot of the technical debt, the fact that we had the cloud during this pandemic versus, for instance, I'm going to go out on a limb. I didn't do my research. I don't think there was cloud as an option in the in the 1918 epidemic. So, you know, if we look at the differences in how they handled their data center um, uh, uh, agility versus today, cloud would be a big difference. But the but the idea that that the cloud is less about huge. Um, investment that you have to amort, you know, that you're depreciating over time and dealing with all the things like that, that maybe remove your ability to say, oh, we should, you know, uh, rub those edges off over here and kind of do things a little bit differently and stuff. Cloud allows you to keep iterating uh, much more quickly. That's one of the values. I think people have gotten past the point of thinking about cloud as being, doing it for reasons of cost alone, because it generally, I would say generally it's, it's good on cost, but I would say it's on par uh, with doing certain things, but what it allows you to do completely exceeds uh, in many situations what you would be able to do on your own in most situations. Um, the other term that that had come up in this that uh, that we used to talk about a lot that I feel like has also shifted here is digitization. And I didn't never really like that term, and uh, but I'd, I'd heard it used a lot. But then it came up again when I was when I've I've read stories, and I've, if your customers have done this too, where they begin realizing when everybody runs to home, they realize that their VPN couldn't accommodate that many remote users suddenly that they're, if they had invested in VDI or other things of this nature, which are highly recommended for their, for their nimbleness. I think you guys, what, what, let me ask you, would you agree is VDI on your list of things? I, cause I kind of consider VDI to be a cloud-based um, delivery model that makes a lot more sense in these kind of situations. Would your customers agree? Is that what you're saying customers do? Absolutely. I think for a lot of organizations that shifted to a work from home model, um, th they didn't really have a great answer uh, as to how I provide access to collaboration tools at, at that kind of scale. Um, you know, I think they've, they've, a lot of these organizations have always had plans uh, maybe to deliver a, a VDI environment for a subset of the population as part of a, a DR or BC exercise, but it was difficult for any of us to imagine that the entire workforce would be remote. And so I, I certainly think, you know, the cloud uh, lends itself to providing a scale in, in an option. 
um, you know, for customers that are faced with those kind of scenarios. Well, it's interesting too, because we're in the middle of a pandemic and then here in Texas, we've had the electrical grid failure due to this winter storm. And we were talking earlier in the week about the different responses. Cause for one, it, I found out that there's data centers well outside of there's data centers here in Texas serving customers that are well outside of Texas. Um, and it feels like another item. We talk about kind of a weather emergency inside of a pandemic as well, which just further, I think complicates things, but it's a reminder of kind of understanding. And this is one of the other takeaways. I think that's important for today uh, of understanding your, your, what's the right way, your, your uh, supplier chain, your ecosystem, understanding where your dependencies are, because I think some people aren't always aware um, where certain things are being served from. I mean, I'm sure the IT people are aware of where their data centers are. I don't mean to imply that, but um, how, how is it? But I feel like partnerships are changing. And I'd started this talk about digitization because it's highlighted when people go work from home, suddenly you realize that you've got too many paper oriented policies or paper oriented things that just can't function when people aren't in the same environment anymore. It really exposed a lot of processes, I feel like. And so this notion of we've got to digitize faster and the part, you know, where can a, where can cloud operations and things like this begin to play a more positive part in those type of efforts? Yeah, I, th I think you call out an interesting point there, Rob. Um, I, I think from a business continuity strategy perspective, people are looking at their business differently now, right? Um, before it was, basically geographic based locations. And if some kind of natural disaster affected my data center, right? Um, what is my other option, right? But they didn't necessarily consider uh, all the connective tissue to other partners and other pieces of their organization like they do now with cloud and things being as distributed as they are now, right? Um, and I think the other thing is, well, not necessarily what if something happens to my data center, but what if I can't get my most important resources, my people to where they need to be to do their job or access to the things, whether they're on paper or on an application that's that's you know locked away in a data center that they just can't get to unless they're on premise, right? So people are expanding that perspective and they're starting to look at how do I take parts of my business that I never really intended to you know ever live in the cloud, but maybe I should consider that if if nothing else as a fallback perspective for the next time something like this pandemic happens, and and also how do I understand all the other partners that I I work with to deliver an outcome or a solution, and I need to understand where their business lives and how you know if they have an operation in Texas and something like the weather that that we just experienced happens that could disrupt my business right, and I I probably didn't look at it from that perspective prior to to what we're dealing with now and and some of this you know distributed. Uh, computing. And it is certainly a failure of my imagination to bring that one back around living here that I didn't think it could get this cold here or that this cascading, and it's really not just a matter of how cold, I didn't realize how uh, fractured some things were. And then that kicked off a whole level of dependencies that no one had imagined before, but now we can imagine it, right? Because it's happened. And so we have no excuse going forward for not being prepared for things like this uh, because we can't claim I'm always thinking of the excuses. We can't claim that we don't, you know, that we that we we just didn't know it would happen, um, you know. But I see people's, uh, but but we have to kind of continue to think in a more mature manner. I want to segue a little bit into, uh, especially Michael, you you guys provide services to help customers think through this in a logical manner. Let me switch over here to. Um, uh, to kind of show this page. So this is off your live website at WWT. And I could scroll through this if you can speak to a little bit, but the, the big overall question is, is how much, how easy can you make it for customers who just not, are not sure how to look at their existing workflows and their existing ways of getting things done? How, you know, how do they go about saying, I need to figure out 
how to protect these things. Uh, this, this is important to me. Is it even possible to do this in the cloud and how much work am I looking at doing so? Uh, and things like that. Are these questions that you guys help answer? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. So, you know, I think to go back to what we talked about earlier, there is a plethora of, of options um, and, and decisions that an organization can make, right? There's no single reference architecture or right way to do this. So it very much centers with, with Sorry. understanding your current state, um, understanding what your objectives and your goals are, right? And, and then building the right path for your organization to get to that objective. So we do spend a lot of time in understanding uh, again, the business uh, that our customers are in, uh, what success looks like for them, and then building them the right plan to make those decisions to bring together um, right all the different technology options that are right for them. So uh, we have a series of offerings that we use to do that, right? We have briefings and we have workshops where we can kind of dig in. Uh, we certainly have uh, our advanced technology center and kind of a, a Disneyland of technology, if you will, uh, yes, that you we can compare some of these things and we can show real life examples. And instead of just drawing it on a whiteboard, we can actually execute it and, and, and show you what the practical application of those are and how that affects your organization. So you can make an informed decision when you're choosing between, again, all of those options that are, are, are readily available. Now you're making me think Disney needs to add a data center land. Because don't they, you know, they have the different countries. It's like, I want to go to IT land uh, or whatever it we, may we, be. <laughs> Well, Darren, what you're overseeing as cloud expert, it, and I got the feeling, and forgive me if I'm um, if I'm characterizing your job uh, in, in in the wrong manner, but I feel like this is are these things that you recommend to your customers? Does this become a you know what kind of things do you look for? What kind of things are customers telling you that you go you know what I think this needs a deeper level of thought. This we need to cover this in a bit more granular detail where we're exchanging information in both directions so that we can provide better service to you. Is this one of the directions that you tend to go in? Yeah, I, I mean, I always approach things from, with, with kind of a technical lens, right? And so uh, usually for, for us on, on the architecture and engineering side, I mean, obviously we want to have a conversation around what our customers' goals are. Um, and, and then we want to start talking about technology uh, that we can leverage to help enable that. Um, sometimes that may be an optimization of, of the current environment. Sometimes that may be a net new build out. Um, you know, sometimes that may be a complete solution delivered through multiple OEMs and cloud providers and all of the above are, are options for us. Um, but I really think it, it starts with a conversation around intentions and business goals. Um, and then we'll, we'll try to marry up technical solutions to help support that. Well, it looks like here too, Michael, you've got, um, this one here says one hour workshop versus, um, a different workshop. Oh no, excuse me, one hour WebEx briefing, which implies to me that this seems like there's a couple of options here for people to maybe dip their toe in a little bit to understand what kind of value might come out of an interaction before they maybe commit to something a little bit deeper. Is that indeed the case? That's exactly the idea, right? Okay. So we have our briefings which, um, are, are really, you know, a little bit deeper level than what we've talked about here, but really kind of talking about uh, what are the big considerations? Um, what are we seeing with other customers? Um, you know, where have we been able to add value for customers and, and really a high level conversation that leads into going into kind of workshop, which is usually a multiple day event where we start to to really kind of peel back the covers and and really dig into some of the specifics to Darren's point of of what is your objectives? Where what do you own today from a technology perspective that can enable those? Where are the gaps and and then how can we help you you know maximize that value or deliver on that outcome? Yeah, these things feel like such personal uh, decisions and and. And it really requires a knowledge of where people are. As we wrap things up here, I just want to call out to our audience here. Um, 
you know, we're live on the Worldwide Technology page. Anyone watching this on the live stream, especially if you're not watching the replay, then you've logged in so you understand probably some of the value. Um, but there's a ton of value you probably don't realize because I don't think I would ever realize it because uh, I'm also a member. I, I joined on the platform as well because it's a way to see what these guys are writing about and their peers. It's also a way to interact. And then, of course, I just I clicked on here, the event page, and that's where you find more of these events on many other subjects that cover varying levels of detail well beyond Tech 37. It's very much a good resource to check out. But um, I like what you guys are saying. I feel like our assumptions are changing now as we move forward in terms of, of what have we, what did we learn? What, you know, what, what we had to learn about these, these pandemic times. And I think it's safe to say, regardless of what happens in the next month or six months, um, I don't think we're going to get any hard and fast answers about a return to normal of any sort. This level of kind of being in a relatively unpredictable environment feels like that is our future and we need to be planning as such. As a final point, you guys agree? Com completely agree. I think um, you know, the new normal is to be able to continue to learn, right? And put yourself in a perspective that you can adjust to whatever comes next because we don't always know what that is to your point, right? Yeah. Oh, and one thing I wanted to call out too, because you mentioned it earlier, but you did a nice job of not, not hawking your services, but you guys do a tool optimization workshop um, as well that I think is quite valuable because I haven't seen that in too many places, but we've all been overrun with um, a tools that have a seeming overlap and such like this. And when it comes to how you're using the cloud and how that works with your on-prem environment, it's just a natural uh, kind of environment, a natural kind of a play into uh, some of the challenges I think our customers are facing. Well, Darren and Michael, thank you so much for being willing to answer my questions and joining us here on tech 37 and uh, can keep, you know, wish you well and continue doing good work. And to our audience, thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one, guys. Y'all take care.